start in um, Psalms 102, and uh, I'd like to just discuss with you this afternoon something on the lines of um, the afflicted soul. I suppose there comes times in your walk in the Lord where you feel like you are in that position, you are a, an afflicted soul, and uh, this psalm here is the prayer of the afflicted. It says it's when he's overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. And I'm sure you've always, all of you at some stage, been in this position where it's all too much, it's all overwhelming, and you just don't know what to do. You feel like you've been personally sought out and or forgotten, or you've obviously done something to upset somebody, and everything's gone wrong. And it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I'm in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call, answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke. My bones are burned as a hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groanings, my bones cleave to my skin. I am like a pelican in the wilderness. Says I am like an owl of the desert. I watch, and I am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. Mine enemies reproach me all the day, and they that are mad against me are, are sworn against me. And they, for I have eaten ashes like bread, and mingled my drink with weeping because of thine indignation of thy wrath. For thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are, are like a shadow that declineth. And I am withered like grass. And it's probably extreme, but people do go through some very extreme situations in their lives. And even in the Lord, even the Lord, you feel forsaken and disregarded. You feel forgotten. You feel as if the whole world's against you. So what I'd like to speak upon this afternoon is some of the folk that went through similar things, uh, the cry of the afflicted soul or the prayer of the afflicted soul and uh, you heard a bit about Samson last Tuesday night from Pastor Steve, and Samson was a man in the Bible, of course. He was a mighty man. He was a strong man. He was a judge of Israel. He was brought up by very circumspect parents. He had this incredible strength when the power of God or the Spirit of God came upon him. But it all caught up with him. He, you know, he's one of these typical young guys who got brought up in the Lord and perhaps didn't really regard the significance of who he really was. He was a Nazarite from birth, been brought up in that way by his parents, a, a tremendous opportunity to serve the Lord and glorify God. And he did these incredible things as you read the story. But when the Philistines or the enemy caught up with him, it says how they put out his eyes. You know, when they cut his hair and he lost his strength, they put out his eyes and they put him in the prison, that the, the wheelhouse, the grinding house, and there he was. He was going to spend the rest of his days. And we just pick it up in Judges chapter 16, verse 28. It says um, the Philistines were um, celebrating, and they called for Samson, and they were going to make sport of him. They'd blinded him, of course. And you can imagine at the time that have led him into the arena, sort of, and that have just mocked him and poked at him and, People were jeered at him and, and stuff like that. He asked one of the young lads there to set him between the pillars. And it says in verse 26 of chapter 16, it says, And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I might feel the pillars where upon the house stands, that I might lean upon them. 
And it says the whole place was full of the lords of the Philistines and on the roof was about 3,000 men and women, all the, the hierarchy, all the important things. And it says in verse 28, and this is the prayer of the afflicted soul. He says, And Samson called upon the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. You know, he had a lot of time to think that he was blinded, but maybe now he could see. Now he could understand his commission. Now he could understand who he really was, his, his true relationship with his maker. He says, Lord, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray, pray thee only this once. And, O God, that I might once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillows upon which the house stood, on which it was borne up, of the one with his right and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his whole lifetime. And the wonderful part about this, he'd gone astray, Samson, he'd gone right away from the covenant relationship with the Lord. And it says at the last part here, Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtal in the burying place of Manoah, his father. So in other words, he reconciled back into that covenant relationship with the Lord. And I just think, well, it just came to that where Samson realized that once he was blind, but now he could see. And he had a, such an incredible commission, but he, he didn't understand who he was at the time. He didn't understand his real calling. It was just a big game. He had this incredible power over the enemy, and it took him. He just got caught out in life by the things that he saw. And it took the Philistines to take his eyes out that he could really see his relationship or his commission with God. So that was the first little story. The second one lies in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. This was a, a lady called Hannah, and she was married to, along with another wife, she was married to Elkanah, her husband. But she couldn't have children, and yet her husband loved her far more that she couldn't have children, and, and it just messed her up. And this is her prayer, without going into a big story now. It says, Hannah rose up after they'd eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, and now Eli the priest, Eli the priest was out of order with his sons. They were the, the priest of the day. They were the hierarchy of the day, and yet God was very much displeased with the house of Eli. But there he was, it says, Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the, God, of the Lord. And Hannah, it says, was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept sore. You know, you've ever been there. You've never been in that position where you're desperate for answers. It might be that you've moved country and everything goes wrong and you're really pushed to your limit. And you think, why has this happened to me? I've done all this, so I've given up my life, and yet this has come upon me. And she's in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept sore. And she said, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. He was going to be a Nazarite unto the Lord. And 
And she would have known the trouble in Israel. She would have known that the priesthood was out of order. And she was saying, but Lord, if I have this child, if you give me this child, I'll dedicate him to the priesthood. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, the Eli marked her mouth. And now Hannah, she spake in her heart, but only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli presumed that she was drunk. She explained then to Eli that she poured out her soul before the Lord. And then he, Eli answered and blessed her and sanctified her prayer. And she went on to have this child who she did dedicate to the Lord. And she went on to have a big family after that. So the Lord blessed Hannah and her prayer. At the time, it was this terrible affliction that she was going through that she didn't quite understand. But later on, it was then again to benefit the house of God, God's house, God's people. So that was something else that really happened to one of God's people. But you can see where the whole thing's going here. It's all about the service to the Lord and who we really are. And this other story, the next story, is a, is a beautiful story because it involves a young captive. He was um, possibly made into a eunuch. We don't know. I can't be certain on that, but he was certainly under the guidance of the, the captain or the chief of the eunuchs here is in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, if you'd like to have a look at this one. He wasn't in a, a really good position in his life. He was a young man, but he, he desired to seek the Lord. The book of Daniel's a, a wonderful book comprising a lot of the prophecies in the Word of God. It says, In those days, in, in chapter 10, verse 2, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, and neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, and neither did I anoint myself at all, until three whole weeks were fulfilled. So it was like this affliction of the soul. It was this personal desire to afflict his soul that he might gain the wisdom of God. And I believe this is our position. And he was approached here by an angel, the Bible talks about here. He describes the angel, but we won't go through the whole story, but just in verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And this angel said to Daniel, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when uh, he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling as you would. And, and he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. When we seek the Lord in prayer and fasting, particularly in prayer and fasting, here we have a situation where the Lord's regarded Daniel even before he started seeking the Lord in this fashion. And we have that same opportunity where we can chasten ourselves before the Lord. And it's wonderful. You think, oh, not another prayer and fast. I'm, I'm terrible. I find it very difficult to fast. And yet, maybe it's the best thing for my soul. And here we have a situation here where the, the Lord loves him, loves this Daniel, you know, and he sends an angel to him. And he said, we, we've heard you even before you've spoken, even before you started this fasting or this chastening, and we're prepared to bless you. So there's uh, the cry of the afflicted. So it was self-infliction, not bodily harm stuff, but he was, he was just trying to seek his God at another level. 
And that's our opportunity being spirit-filled here this afternoon. We can seek the Lord in this fashion any time of the day. We don't have to wait till tribulation comes or something. So the next little story is a famous one in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, just in verse 15. So you, most of you know the story of Jonah. He was cast into the sea and he was originally commissioned to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. They're all out of order and, and Jonah just didn't want to do it. So he took a charter boat out to Tarshish and uh, he got caught up in a raging sea and it was a it was obviously a very peculiar sea, a huge sea. So they ended up drawing straws and Jonah drew the short straw and they threw him over the side. And, and the Lord prepared um, a great fish, a special fish. As I said, it must have had a, a little porthole and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know, it's a special place here. But in verse 15, so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered, or the fishermen, they feared the Lord and offered sacrifice unto the Lord and goes on in verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had preferred a, a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So we got the prayer of the afflicted soul, the prayer of Jonah in chapter 2. It says, Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I. And thou hearest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, and into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, and all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. It must be awful. It must be awful for any of us to feel that we've been totally cast away into darkness. It would have been a, a terrible, terrible place to be in, in a belly of a fish. I've been consumed, I've been eaten, and yet I'm still alive, just then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards thine holy temple. I oh, know it's a bit further, it goes on, I'll just read this big, it says, the waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed me around about and the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. He probably thought at the time I've disobeyed the Lord. I've been totally out of Lord and this is my reward. I'm finished. I've had it. There's nothing else. He says, and when my soul fainted within me, in a different uh, translation, he was about on the point of death. He said, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came in unto thine holy temple. And then he goes on in verse 8, it says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And uh, I rethink really the uh, the deeper meaning to this is that what we see before us with our natural eyes is a temporary thing. So what he's saying here, things that you see in front of you are not really what it's all about. The process of life, the days come and the, the days go, but what's beyond that is the eternities, the things that we don't see are the things that are precious, the things that are needful for us to remember and to work towards. He says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. So he had vowed to go and serve the Lord, but he pulled back. 
You and I have done this. We, we've done it over the years. We all have guilty of that. But he said, salvation is of the Lord. And then he went out, the fish spat him out, and he went off to Nineveh, and, and the whole city was delivered. The whole city had life. With Jonah, he didn't particularly like the Ninevites. They were certainly a crowd of their own. And yet it's a bit similar to you and I. It's, it's not a pleasant thing to be rejected of mankind. But it's what the Lord expects of us. I would suggest that we don't let ourselves go that low where it takes that to remind us of our commission. So that's just another little story. Uh, the other one was in Habakkuk chapter 1. I'm just going through. I've got these in order because it's easy to go through the Bible this way. It's all in line, so... Verse 1. This is just to explain, perhaps, the introduction. It says, The burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. Now, I haven't seen anything like this, thank goodness. It says, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou will not hear, even cry unto thee of violence, and thou will not save. You know, you look on the news today and you think, what is going on? Why are people doing this to each other? What is going on? Why dost thou show me iniquity? and cause me to behold grievance. And that's where we are today. That's what we're seeing. It's, it's awful. For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and the judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. And that's exactly what we see today. That's where we are today. And just uh, something that Habakkuk, we mentioned this before in chapter 3, verse 17. And we sing this, and we need to remind one another constantly, this is how we get through it all. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labour of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet, in verse 18, will I rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. Next time you're down and out, just remind yourself, sing this chorus. Sing these verses, rehearse them. You know, the Lord, remind yourself the Lord is your portion. He's your strength. He's your fortress. He's your guide. He's your shield. He's the peace that passes all understanding. And you can get through anything with the Lord and all the people say it. That's where we want to be. That's the people who, by design, it goes on to say later on. I'll come back to Psalm 102 later on. And in Habakkuk 2, verse 4, it says, The just shall live by faith. You understand that's not what you see? It's who you are. The Bible says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the Lord is a reward of those that walk in faith and not by sight. Let's go to Matthew 26. This is very much part of the communion service here this afternoon. Verse 36, 26, 36. And you've got to understand, this is, we're talking about Jesus Christ here, the Son of God in the form of a man. He knew sorrow, he knew pain, he knew grief, he knew disappointment, he knew failure, he saw the evil of mankind, he was about to experience betrayal by Judas Iscariot. This is a terrible time for Jesus Christ here. He was about to be crucified and take on the sin of man. He knew what was coming. So it says, When Jesus came with them unto the place called Gethsemane, 
and saith unto disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he came unto the disciples and find, finding them asleep, saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Couldn't you just stay awake? This is the worst time in my life. Couldn't you just stay awake, just for one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went again the second time and prayed and saying, O oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. He goes on to say how that Judas Iscariot comes in and betrays Jesus with a kiss. What an insult. What a failing of mankind. But just to emphasise what Jesus was actually going through here, just in Luke 22, verse 44, different book, but the same part here, it says, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were at drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is, this is when Jesus was really, really at his lowest. The prayer of the afflicted soul here. You know, you kind of think, well, nobody understands what I'm going through today. Nobody's been what I've been through and nobody really cares because it's a Sunday and it's the same thing and, but the Lord knows. The Lord's been through more than we'll ever, ever go through in a million years. And he says, And when he rose from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. You know, there's, a, there's something, there's a message there for you and I. We need to pray. We need to make sure that we pray together all the time and not enter into this deception, this temptation that we're all subject to. Because he's made us victorious. He's overcome death. He's overcome sin. And he's laid his life down that we might have life. And if you just cross-reference back to Isaiah 53, you can become emotional when you read this sort of stuff. But the Lord doesn't want that. He, he wants us just to regard him as someone who's saved mankind the saviour of our souls. He wants you to understand that he's, he's overcome this world. He wants you to understand that you now have the victory if you so desire. But it sometimes takes a little more than just coming to church once a week, just going through the phases. It says, Who has believed our report? In verse 1, And whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a as a root out of the dry ground, he has no form nor comeliness. This is the description of Jesus. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, and this is the, the part that we need to get hold of and grasp hold of, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet 
we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of peace was upon him and with his stripes or by his stripes we are healed. It's not about Jesus on the cross dying for mankind and being beaten and whipped. It was about what it availed to mankind. Victory, purpose, definition, Holy Ghost, a new creation, new opportunities now, new victories, things that you couldn't ever imagine you could possibly exist in this earth now are available to you. The risen Christ, eternal life transformed in the twinkling of an eye when it all blows up in the faces of mankind. It's all in preparation. He said, I've prepared a place for you, a mansion. He has a place for you and I. Everything's prepared if you will only respond to this call. This wonderful challenge is not hard. Just another little story we're finishing off. Mark chapter 5. There's a man called Legion. I've met such a man. The guy I think I told you about, he'd come out of Vietnam and they found him in the sand hills down at Moana and he was just destitute, obviously suffering from tremendous trauma and he, he came to the Lord. You've heard stories about guys crawling through the jungle and uh, three days and three nights without injured and this was one such person. I know when we baptised him, we just about cleared the whole assembly. He was like on the nose like you'd never believe we named him Legion. It was terrible, really. And then after that, you know what it's like when you take somebody home when they're wet and they, they haven't washed for about, you know, two years. And they took him home in a, a Mini Cooper. And I think it was five people in the Mini Cooper. And I think with all the windows open, you know, it was really quite a profound transformation of somebody that was dead in their trespass and sin, uh, no hope, couldn't respond or respect anything. And the Lord filled him, changed him, and I remember meeting him at, down at Karaklinga at camp and he had a, one of those safari suits on, you know, middle of summer with a safari suit. It's so funny. It was true, you know, we called him Legion. But this guy in the Bible here says they came, Jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gadarens or however you pronounce it. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling amongst the tombs. That'd be the last place I'd want to be at night, isn't it? That's where he lived. No man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying. You could imagine it would have been awful. It would have been the worst thing. You think, well, what's going to be done? And I guess today it's straight jacket, drugs, and all this sort of stuff. But he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself, harming himself, and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said to him, Jesus had said to him, Come out of him, or come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So he was in the captivity of Satan. You know, and you and I have been set free from that. You know, we've been freed from sin, and we've been freed from death. But this man who was possessed by the devil, 
And Jesus said, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. And he goes on to say how that Jesus cast out the devils and they went into the swine. But a bit further on, they were choked in the sea. And uh, it says in verse 15, and, And the people... The community came to Jesus to see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. He he had this man, they call the legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Deliverance. And yet before you heard and, and read the afflicted soul, he was bound, he was cutting himself, he was moaning, he was crying, and nobody could do anything about it. The afflicted soul. And yet here we are, a new man by the side of Jesus. And uh, they just couldn't believe it and when he was come to the ship he that had been in verse 18 possessed with the devil prayed him that he he might be with him and howbeit jesus suffered him not but he said to him go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the lord has done for thee and has compassion on thee and he departed and began to publish in decapolis how great things jesus had done for him And, and all men did marvel and that That, folks, is what draws people to Christ, is the power of God. That incredible deliverance of the soul. That's where we were once. We were like Legion. We were just crying in despair, wanting the truth. And the Lord revealed himself to you and I and gave us this amazing deliverance. You know, we were there once dwelling in the tombs, just going nowhere in life. And Jesus had this incredible compassion on Legion and on you and I. And he's drawn us out of this world and to serve him. Just to try and sum things up here in Second um, Corinthians chapter 4. You think, why do I have to go through this? You know, why? I've come to the Lord and sometimes it's just not easy. You've just got to get over it. You really have to understand who you are and what's happening to you. But as you look to the Lord through your afflictions and through the trials and tribulations, You have amazing victory, amazing change, purity, holiness, righteousness. The Lord wants to make something of your lot. He can't do that just coming to church once a week, sitting and saying, well, that wasn't a bad talk. I think I woke up a couple of times. We're not playing church. We're playing salvation. We're playing forever stuff. We're talking about your souls, your eternity here. We're not talking about coming to church and, oh, that was nice, met a few nice people. We're not here for the people, we're here for the word of God and all the people said. It says, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, and yes, it it doesn't get easy. It doesn't get easy as you get older. It says, our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, this is where Samson went wrong. He saw the things in front of him, the things which are seen, which tempted him, which drew him away from the power of God. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. It's all temporary. It says, but the things which are not seen are are eternal. 
And just finishing off here, in back to Psalms 102 where we started, it was the, the prayer of the afflicted, the, the, the person that just everything's gone haywire, just not worked out. And his psalmist goes on to say, halfway through the psalm, he said, but, he says in verse 17, he will regard the prayer of the destitute and, and not despise their prayer. And this shall be written for the generation to come and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. So there is a promise to take hold of. He won't despise your prayer, the prayer of the afflicted soul. And it says, and it shall be written to you that this generation which is to come, which is you and I, this generation which are created shall praise the Lord. So there's our strength. Our strength is seeking the Lord in prayer and his righteousness to rejoice in that, that we've been chosen, that this light affliction that comes upon you and I at times, and it, it can come in many forms, financial stress, it can, brothers and sisters at loggerheads, it can become family, oh, that's a good one, lovely family. But you can see, you know, it doesn't take much to destroy something wonderful, does it? We've got to see past all that. We've got to understand that we do have the answers but it's the application of the Word of God. You know, if you've got to say, oh, well, let's get on with it, the handshake, it's what we've got to do. We've got to show compassion. If we want compassion, we've got to show compassion. It says in verse 19, for he looked down from the height of his sanctuary and from heaven did the Lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose those that are appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion, and his praise in Jerusalem, where the people are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve the Lord. I just think, perhaps that's enough. It seems negative, the prayer when you're going through something difficult, but you must realise that you do have the victory in every situation. There is an answer. You're not in the world anymore. You have a God that really listens to you. We understand our position in Christ. If we're fully aware that what we're doing for the Lord this adventure that we've gone to now, we, we bought this property, there's a lot of hard work, there's a lot of commitment, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity to get involved. you just got to make yourself available. And what we're trying to organise, you know what it's like, everything happens at the last minute, but nevertheless, we're planning the furtherance of the Kingdom of God. We're planning that many people shall come in. That's why we're doing this, because we want to avail ourselves to serve the Lord and it's just a good way of doing it together. And, and all the people said it. It's something we must realise. It's visionary. We can wait until everything goes wrong before we start seeking the Lord. Or we can do like Daniel did. And we sort of really seek in the Lord for his guidance, for his vision, for the understanding that we need to do this great work. And you've got to see it as a, a real calling and a, a real commission, a real service to the Lord. You've got to understand it's not, oh, working me. I can't do anything around the house. You haven't done the lawns. You haven't done the gutters. You haven't done anything. And you're going on a working bee? How hypocritical. You know, you think, well, what is it all about? You know, in a thousand years' time, what are you going to be saying? I serve the Lord with all my heart and all my soul. And it cost me. It cost me my time, my energy. And things did uh, come up against me. But here we are with the Lord, ruling and reigning with the Lord in a thousand years' time. Nothing's going to matter in a thousand years' time. That's just a calling. 
a unique calling no one else is going to understand. You, you can go and get counselling, but they won't quite understand who you are. And the victory is there for all of you to take hold of whatever you need. The Lord says, I'll supply all your needs. Uh, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. 